So before we jump into this episode, I would like to introduce you all to something that is not only delicious, but also makes an impact. Thrive Coffee is a nonprofit craft coffee roaster who uses coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Thrive Coffee's beans are locally roasted in small batches to ensure the highest quality and they ship nationwide. Just three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So I encourage you to check out their website at drinkthrive.org to buy a few bags today. As an added bonus, if you go to drinkthrive.org and use promo code BOOKSPITESBOOZE at checkout, you get 15% off your order. Again, that's drinkthrive.org, promo code BOOKSPITESBOOZE. Let's support this great cause. And the coffee is seriously delicious. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Books, Bites, Booze, the podcast. If you're new here, I'm Madison. Hey, everybody. I'm Alexis. And on this episode, we are wrapping up our discussion on Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. We are also going to let you in on the next book that we're reading, which we've actually already started since we're a little bit behind on uploading this episode. That part one will be coming sooner than you think. Yes, yes, which I feel like we also speed read through Malibu Rising because it was really good. So we got that through that one really quick, and then we just decided to go ahead and start the next book. Yeah, and we do want to talk about our sponsor that you heard at the beginning of this episode, Thrive Coffee. They are our first sponsor, and we're super excited about our little collaboration with them. So not only is the coffee great, what kind of did you get, Alexis? I got the light roast because I feel like I'm always a go-to medium to dark roast kind of person. But my roommate, Bethany, and then Tim, they don't really like the dark roast. So I got the Honduras. It was actually really good. It tasted amazing. I'm not going to say that it like woke me up as much as a classic dark roast did, but I loved the taste. I want to try their dark roast next time. Yeah, I got the dark roast. And, okay, tell me about um, it. Yeah, I really loved it. So I have like a Keurig. Um, so I just went and got like one of the reusable Keurig cups or whatever that I can put my own coffee beans in. I got the uh, dogwood dark blend. And no, 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 I didn't. I'm sorry. I got the campfire blend dark oh, roast. Oh, I was looking at that one. The campfire blend is the one I got. And I really like it. And my boyfriend really likes it. He drinks a lot of like dark roast. I'm usually a medium roast, but honestly, the dark isn't like too heavy or anything like that. I actually really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm really excited to keep trying it and try all the different ones. They have so many different flavors. Yeah, I never heard of them. Well, I had heard of them like on other podcasts and advertisements, but I had never gone to their website or anything. So when they reached out to us, I checked them out and I didn't even realize all the stuff that they do for like the differently abled community and how they give back. I just I'm a big fan. I'm going to keep buying from them. Yeah, for sure. Me too. It's for a great cause. And if you haven't already, it's drinkthrive.org and you can use uh, Books Bites Booze as a promo code for 15% off. Yes. But without further ado, Madison, tell me your thoughts on Malibu Rising. How did you like the rest of the book? Uh, To be honest, I was a little disappointed. Okay. Same. I'm really glad you said that. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Tell me Um, what you think. So, 
Uh, I don't know. For me, I really wanted the party and because that that's where we left off in part one. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to part one. We kind of do an in-depth kind of introduction into all the characters because there's a lot of them and um, kind of like, you know, talk about the big twist that's in the first half of the book. For me, going into the party, I was I really needed something more. I liked the first half of the book, but I really needed the second half to like give me something, you know, and mm-hmm. I just felt like it didn't. It got a little confusing. There were a lot of new people that were all of a sudden introduced um, and it was kind of like. I don't want to say chaos, but it was kind of chaotic to me and it was really hard to keep up with. And yeah, I think chaos is the perfect word for it, which I think she did intentionally because the party was chaotic. Chaotic. Yeah. But it got to the point where I didn't know who anyone was like I like. For the listeners, Madison and I try to keep track of all the characters. Like we have a little document and like we'll take notes on the characters to try and be able to talk about them better on the podcast. It got to the point where I didn't even know who was who because we would be in the middle of the party, you know, a couple chapters from the end of the book and then we'd be meeting new people and Mm -hmm. it would just like talk about their backstory. So I don't know. It kind of would like build up, build up, build up. And then switch to somebody else's point of view. And then build up, build yeah, up, build up. I feel up. like, because part, I think part of like introducing that many new characters at that point took a little bit off of the Rivas and Agreed. like what we were wanting to get out of them. I feel like it just took some of the spotlight off. And then, you know, of course, like in their bigger moments when, you know, the fight and Kit realizing, you know, her sexuality and kind of coming into that a little bit. I don't know. I just feel like there should have been a more highlight on them than so much all these other new people. And also it made it really hard to like stop reading and come back because by the time I came, like if I stopped reading and came back the next day to read another chapter or however, I I would like forget who these people are. You know, I'd have to like go back and be like, okay, who's this name again? Because I completely forgot. Yes, there was one chapter, I don't even remember who it was, because I'm pretty sure there were only one or two chapters on this character, but I put the book down, picked it up the next day, started reading the next chapter, and it was a new character introduction, but it wasn't obvious that it was, so I was like, oh crap, like, I don't remember reading about this person, so I went back, I backed up to try and find the backstory for this person when they were introduced, read all that again, and then realized, oh no, this is just a new character. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So yeah. I I liked it. I really, really enjoyed the first book, like, or the first half. Like, if we were grading, or not grading, but rating the first half, I would give it, like, four or five. Like, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Loved how Taylor wrote about it, like, described it. I felt like I was there. But the second half, it just, the... It fell short for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah. just, Yeah. And obviously, our predictions did not come true. Not except, even well, yours did. Yours did. You predicted that, um, didn't you predict that her husband was going to show up? Oh, I forgot or, about that one. Yes, yes, yes. I did. Yeah, I did. You predicted that he was going to show up, and he did. That was, now, I, I don't know. Because not, for me, let's just, I just want to talk about that scene for a second. So, I mean, it was very similar to... I I saw what she was doing. It was very similar to how Mick had left 
them when they were kids and left their mom and would leave and, you know, go sleep with other women and then come home whenever he felt like it or whatever, because all of a sudden he had an awakening, whatever that was. But I feel like she was trying to do the same here. However, for me, I felt like Nina's personality and will was stronger than that. You know, to not just be, to not just go with it and go with the flow and be like, oh, Brandon's here, you know, whatever. Okay, he he's telling everybody at this party that we're back together and that he's come home and I'm the love of it. She just kind of like let it go and was like, all right, we'll ride. I just feel like that wasn't her. Yeah. I expected her to be like, who the hell are you and why the hell are you at my party and get the hell out. You don't live here anymore. Yeah, I feel like Taylor was trying to make it seem like Nina was under a lot of pressure and like under the public eye from everybody being there. And so maybe she was trying to make it seem like Nina was kind of holding off with Brandon until later, but it kind of got lost. Like that whole tension between Nina and Brandon got lost because then it would switch over to somebody's viewpoint of them swinging on the chandelier, having sex in the hot tub or, you know, setting fire to the house, you know, all those other things. So like any kind of tension that was between Nina and Brandon, like quickly got outweighed by Mick showing up or her best friend deciding if she wants to sleep with the DJ guy. Like it just, Mm -hmm. you know, it was chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I can't believe that we did not predict Mick showing up. I I feel like we totally would have, I don't know why, but that when that happened, I was like, of course, of course, Mick is going to show up. I don't even know how we missed that. I guess I just didn't even expect him to be a part of the second half, you know? And um, when the other sister showed up, what was her name? Casey, I think. Casey, yes. Casey Green, I want to say. Or something like that. When she showed up, that was, I kind of liked that. I was, because that was like kind of expected. I felt like that kind of like fit in, you know, like Mick had been sleeping around all these years. It's only like to be suspected that he has multiple children from other people. Right. So I kind of liked her, even though we didn't get to see very much of her, but I liked her like not coming for revenge or anything like that, but just coming because she had just lost her foster parents and, you know, needed a family, like wanted to come and be a part of their family. She just had no idea like how chaotic the family she was walking into was. <laughs> yeah, she had no idea what she was walking into. But I, I really enjoyed her character like coming in. And then I really enjoyed the whole scene of Mick talking to um, his children and then Casey walking up and all of them on the beach. Like that was just I loved it. Like that was one of the best parts yeah. of the book for me. And like when Nina came down and Nina just ripped into him, uh, that was just like poetic justice. Yeah, I agree. And Kit too, like Kit never backed down. Never. And I just love Kit. I think Kit is probably my favorite character out of the whole book. Yeah. And yeah, just because I feel like she was the youngest, but she honestly was like her own person. She wasn't, you know, trying to be anybody that, she wasn't and she stood up for her own she loved her family and anyway I just she's my I'm she's my favorite character (laughs) yeah and I think at the end she really was the deciding factor for Nina whenever Kit was like you need to go and like leave go to your little shack on the side of the beach and go surf every day like we're gonna be okay right so now let's kind of like go into our thoughts on 
each specific character. I already said how much I love Kit and what I love about her. But so let's go back to Nina. Like, just tell me your thoughts on her and what you thought overall from beginning to end of her character. Okay, beginning to end, I really enjoyed her whole character arc. I really liked how she went from being the foundation of the family to kind of, you know, just spreading her wings. She moved out of the country without even telling anybody but her siblings. Like, I loved how she struggled internally with being a parent to her siblings and then switching from that parent role to just being a sibling and then taking care of herself. Like that was just a beautiful moment when she finally was like, you know what, what would it be like if I just lived for today for myself? Like, what would that look like? And she kind of had this whole self-discovery moment with her and what was her best friend's name? Cause it switched around so much. I can't, I can't even. Kareen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was Tareen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Tareen, I loved their friendship because Tareen kind of pushed her, not in a way like Tareen accepted Nina completely, didn't want her to change, but she was holding her accountable and being like, you know, you live for other people and not for yourself. And kind of pushed yeah. her out of that comfort zone and got Nina thinking, which I think is the reason why she had the confidence to stand up to. Brandon and his mistress and then stand up for herself to Mick to stand up for herself and leave the country. But I do think that the writing was a little inconsistent. Like I think that her character, she would go from like bold to subdued and like standing up for her family and then immediately backing down. And it was just kind of like, I don't know if it was intentional and they were trying to make her feel like she just wasn't confident or if it was like a Taylor couldn't decide what role she wanted Nina to be. Yeah. Cause like I said, I think like in the first half, I thought that, you know, they were making her very similar to like her mom and that she found herself in a lot of the same situations that her mom was in. But for me, I wanted what I wanted from Nina is for her to, react differently than her mom did yeah um for instance when mick came back you know her mom took him back every time only to be left again i wanted nina to be i guess different and make different life choices than her mom did and it was almost like you know she was that timid i guess person that like her mom was and yeah i agree with you though i agree that it was a little inconsistent I don't know. I wish that we would have seen like her best friend be introduced earlier on because I feel like in the mm-hmm. first half of the book, it's only about the siblings and their family. We don't get to see really any outside connections or friendships or anything that they have outside of the four. Agreed. Yeah, because we don't really see any other part of their personalities except who they are with their family. And I feel like there's so much more to a person than just who they are with their siblings and their parents. Like, they have all these other interests. And we don't really see that from anyone. Like, we only see them with their core people. Yeah. Yeah. Until the party. I I agree. And even at the party, like, at the party, the only people that we see interacting outside of their core friend group is really Nina with Tareen which is her best friend. We see Kit with Ricky, which I love that whole moment of her in the shower, like finally coming to terms with her sexuality and like being comfortable and confident enough to voice it. Like that was up. Loved it. Um, Yeah. And we see her best friend, Vanessa too. 
yes. uh, kids in this room. Vanessa comes, which I think she was mentioned maybe beforehand, but we don't really get to see a re- an interaction with those two. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And like, was it, Je- mm, which one? HUD was the one that was sleeping with Jay's, Jay's ex-girlfriend. Right. Yes. Okay, so I... I was gonna, just going to say, like, the only part that we really see is Jay going to the restaurant to see, I think her name was Laura, and then uh, HUD sleeping with Ashley. Like, that's really the only interaction that we get with them outside of the family. Jay and HUD are kind of hard for me because I feel like Jay was, like, the more confident brother. Um like more outgoing had more going for him and hud was kind of the guy or the brother that was kind of in the background a little bit you know wasn't really into being like the center of attention i guess like jay was right i agree with that because hud was always the photographer and then jay was always the one that he was taking the photos of right like that yeah the surfer and i I think I loved their dynamic, though. Like, even at the end when they got in a huge spot and then, you know, they were at the end when Jay was like, you know, I just need you to really be apologetic because I need to know that I can trust you and that you're still my best friend. Like, I truly believe that with those two, that they were best friends. But I feel like HUD was always the one that kind of got walked over. So I feel like him being with Ashley was um, like kind of doing something for himself. He loved her. He wanted to be with her. And if he, you know, broke up with her or chose not to be with her, it wouldn't have been because he wanted to. It would have been for Jay's sake. Right. So I feel like he was finally doing something for him and not something for his family or whatever or to keep Jay happy. Like, so... I'm, I wasn't mad at HUD for anything that he did, you know. I don't know. I just felt like he was the sweeter one who, and the more quiet one, whereas Jay wasn't. Yeah. And I think each of them had their own personal struggle that they resolved at the end of the book. Like for Nina, it was growing into her personality. For Kit, mm-hmm. it was embracing her sexuality. For Jay, it was finally respecting his health and realizing that he needs to prioritize himself. And then for Hud, it was voicing his relationship with Ashley and then coming forward and telling Jay the truth. So right. there was kind of those each of those little struggles for each of them. But I, overall, I really enjoyed the sibling dynamic between all four of them. That was a positive that I loved about the book. The negative would just be how the story was told. Yeah, I agree. I just, I wanted more out of the end. And, you know, for me, when in the beginning of the book or in like the synopsis or whatever, when it says, and this was how like the Malibu wildfires of 1980, whatever year we were in, started i thought it was gonna be a little more than mick flicking his 
freaking cigarette butt into a book. <laughs> but I guess it's kind of poetic because if you like, if we're going to take it and go really deep with it, I guess we could say that, you know, it's symbolism because Mick, his whole life has made all these decisions with no consequences. And like Mick does one little thing, like, you know, leave his family for another woman. And, you know, in his mind, it's nothing too big, but it ca- causes this huge tidal wave of problems for everyone else. And then at the end of the book, Mick tosses a cigarette and it burns the entire side of Malibu. Wow. Okay. I like that. I never thought of it that way. I really like that you just said that. <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, if we want to like go super deep, but also you could just say that it was just Mick tossing a cigarette, you know? Right. Yeah. I also think that I did myself a disservice because I think that Taylor Jenkins Reid is an amazing writer. Like, I think that she is unmatched in her ability to describe a scene. Like, throughout the whole book of Malibu Rising, I felt like I was there. Even when I didn't Mm -hmm. know who the characters were, I felt like I was standing next to them, you know? But I definitely did myself a disservice because when I knew that we were going to be reading Malibu Rising, I bought The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh, my favorite. I love that book. Oh, my God. I read it right before we read Malibu Rising. 10 out of 10. One of my favorite books I've ever read. I finished it in like less than 24 hours. So I think that I just had really high expectations, you know? Yeah. And that that's how I felt. And I saw like another post on Instagram saying that um they love they didn't hate this book, but they just didn't love it as much as some of her other work. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt is I've read some of her other books and I loved them so much. I wanted so much out of this one and it just didn't hit that for me. But I don't yeah. hate it. Um I definitely think that it was enjoying to read. It was just not... I wanted more out of the ending, I guess. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. So, so overall, what do you think that you would rate this book? I'm going to give it... I don't know. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to give it like... I don't want to go too low. I don't want to give it a three. But I don't want to give it a two because I feel like a two might be... Yeah, too low like, <laughs> like a two eight can i give it like a 2.8 yes i will accept your 2.8 i love it <laughs> just because i've given other books i don't know well yeah no, you I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go with a three i'm gonna give it a three okay because mm-hmm. i loved the first half of the book like you said it gave me the twist in the middle really kept me going really kept me reading i did enjoy the characters and how they were written. I enjoyed um, the perspective that the book was written from and kind of not having a changing narrator every chapter, but we kind of got to see all their thoughts the whole time. For So just for me, it was lacking something, but I, I didn't hate it. So I'm giving it a three out of five. Yeah. I think that's What fair. about you? I think if I had not read... The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I think I would have given this book probably mm-hmm. like a 3.5, maybe even higher. I, but I think I'm going to give it a three as well because it was okay. it was really good. Like, I mean, the first half of the podcast that we did, we were sitting here being like, absolutely love it. I'm going to go finish it right now. You know, like, yeah, absolutely loved it. It was just the letdown at the end. Like, yeah. 
I'm and I think three. one thing that kept us so excited was that she threw that twist in there of Nina's mom dying right in the middle. Yeah. So agreed. like I feel like, you know, normally you're kind of like waiting around, waiting around, waiting around. But no, I agree. Like when her mom died, it like roped us back in and we were like, oh my God, like, you know, Nina's now the par- parent of the family and it pulled us back in, gave us the conflict we were looking for. And us like thriller suspense people were like, oh my God, yes. Like give us the murder and the death and the craziness. We love it. And yeah. The sorrow. But then after that, it was like the biggest, most heart-wrenching thing already happened like I didn't feel nearly as much emotion during all of the mix scenes at the end as I did in the middle with her mom so yeah I agree yeah three out of five okay so let's go through who we would choose to play in the movie if there was one okay all right so I'm let's start with Nina okay for Nina I kept picturing this like tan surfer with like big curly hair and Madison Pettis came to mind. You know her from the um Yes the game of course. Yes. I was picturing somebody like her, you know, because I feel like she's about that age now. Like how old is she in real life? I'm looking it up. I don't know, but I just watched the movie He's All That, the remake with Addison Ray, and she's in it. Was she good? Yeah, she was really good. Yeah, I actually enjoyed that movie. I enjoyed Addison Ray in it too, because you know she's a TikTok it. star. But uh, I kind of liked it. I've heard that Addison was amazing in it, so I'm gonna have to watch it. She was Addison. really good. Yeah, I was actually really surprised. But sorry, side note. Oh my gosh, no, no, because I mean I haven't seen Madison Pettis in anything since the Game Plan. So like nothing towards her acting at all, just for like the look of who I was picturing Nina to be. It was Madison Pettis's face, you know? Yeah. Okay, she's 23 years old, so she's a little young. So maybe a little young or older than her. I would, I was thinking like Blake Lively. Oh, uh, switch it because, up. Yeah, you know, she's in all those like shark movies and like of her like surfing or like in like a wetsuit. Like I just got, I could just see her perfectly playing that role. Yeah, I can see that. And then for Kit. I have Olivia Scott Welch playing Kit. The first thing that I've ever seen her in is Panic on Amazon Prime. So if y'all haven't seen it, highly recommend because it's so freaking good. Yeah, I don't know. I I really liked her in Panic and I can just totally get like little sister vibes. Um, Okay, I just looked her up. (laughs) I can see that because she's the right age. She's got that look. Oh, yeah, I like her. She looks cute. I could see her playing like a 20 year old, you know, who's like, but like a really like spitfire and has an attitude. And if you watch panic, like she does, her wit is like so spot on. So that's my choice for Kit. What about you? Okay. Kit, I really am struggling with, like, I couldn't pick any one person because I feel like so like, depending on the actor, they could do whatever they wanted with Kit's character. You know, throughout the book, they talk about how Kit could be more tomboy, but then she also could be just like super girly. You know, like she went back and forth between the two. And so I didn't really pick anybody for Kit, but I'm looking at Olivia Scott Welsh and I really, I think you're good. Let's do that. Okay. (laughs) All right. So what about Jay? Okay. I actually went back and forth with Jay and HUD because since they're brothers and everything i kind of pictured them to look similar in my head but 
I pictured Jay to be, I guess Jay would be more buff than HUD because Jay's more of the surfer than HUD is. I don't know, but I was thinking Chase Stokes for one of them from the Outer Banks. Oh my God. Yeah. That is a good one. Thank you. I like that. I chose Nico Tortorella. Wait, I gotta look him up. He's in, he's been like, he was in Scream 4. He was in uh, The Following, which was on Fox. He was in Younger. um, And he was also, I think the most recent thing he did was he was in The Walking Dead World Beyond, which I actually haven't seen, but I am obsessed with The Walking Dead. I just haven't seen that new series. But his look, I don't know. I just totally get J-Bobs. Yeah, I I totally can see it. I'm going to make him my J. So Nico is J for me. And then I'm putting (laughs) um, Outer Banks guy as HUD. Love that, because I didn't have anybody from HUD. I just, like, could not think. But for Mick, now, I have somebody. All right. Give me, me. For Mick? Okay. For Mick, for me, I have Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And I know you know who he is. You might not know his name, but you might. He played um, Denny oh, Duquette yeah. in Grey's Anatomy. He's perfect. Yes. He played Negan in The Walking Dead. I'm, t- oh. I'm so obsessed with The Walking Dead. Y'all, y'all don't even understand. It is an unhealthy obsession. And so, I don't know. I could just, to- like, rock star vibes. Yep. He's handsome. I've just always thought that he is so attractive. No, For I, an older man. <laughs> I think he is perfect. I was picturing, oh like, since it takes place, you know, back in the 50s when he's first rising to fame, I was picturing, like, an Elvis Presley kind of guy. Like, you know, with that hair, oh, like, that style, yeah. charisma. So, I think, like, yeah. a mix of Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Elvis together. Yeah, because we would definitely need, like, somebody for, like, the scenes when, you know, him and Nina's mom were young or, you know, when he was, like, younger and first, like, coming into it. And then for, like, how he looked when he showed up at the house on the beach because he would definitely be like you know older so maybe jeffrey would play like the older mick i don't know yeah but i love that in the more run down i mean i feel like if you're a rock star for that long you know you've probably are are gonna be looking pretty rough (laughs) (laughs) if you've been living that party life for that long yeah but i think that's a great freaking cast 10 out of 10 for me i'd go see it Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I love doing this. I kind of love this segment that we added in here. I do too. I'm really glad we started doing this, which like props to the Book Talk community because definitely saw this on Book Talk when we started putting it on the podcast. And um, so another segment that we kind of want to throw in here close to the end before we wrap everything up is a listener or bookstagram of the month or episode or whatever you want to call it so um this week our or this episode our bookstagram of the month is drum roll drum roll jesse and her bookstagram is those cheap kindle books which i love because i love me a good kindle book but she was actually the winner of our giveaway that we did once we reached 2,000 followers on instagram so yeah she is our bookstagram of the week i love her bookstagram and i think it's so cute her vibe is like 
so cute. She was so sweet um, that we got to talk. I actually sent her Verity to read by Colleen Hoover. And she got a cool little gift card from us. And um, yeah, so go check out her bookstagram. Yes. Hello, Jesse. Congrats on winning the giveaway. Love your account. Um, I sent her. Okay, I know I probably threw you for a loop, Jesse. I'm so sorry. I sent her a book called Mara, Daughter of the Nile. It takes place in like ancient Egypt and is a romance, like adventure mystery story. But it's from like the 1950s. It's super old. It does not look like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just an old book. But honestly, one of my favorites. I've read it at least 20 times. So I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So before we wrap this episode up, we are going to give you guys some new dinner recipes and tell you what we've been cooking lately. Um, Alexis, you go first. Okay, awesome. So we cooked some bolognese pasta this week. It was so good. Um, I'm going to be real honest. I did not make the bolognese sauce because I do not know how to make the deliciousness that is my mother's homemade bolognese. So we got it from her, but... She just puts carrots, celery, onions, beef, um, what else is in there? Mushrooms, and then like a bunch of Parmesan. But um, she mixes that up with the marinara sauce and just gives it that like thick meat sauce kind of texture. And then since I'm (laughs) gluten-free, we use chickpea pasta. And I love the Bonza ones. I think they have it at like Target, Walmart. Publix pretty much everywhere, but B-A-N-Z-A. And we just used, um, what is the, the penne, the penne pasta. We just used the good old penne. Love penne. I use penne for like everything. Oh, so amazing. I think it's my favorite one, but we use that. And then we just heated up the bolognese, mixed that good old chickpea pasta in there. And it was divine. So good. Yum. That sounds really good. Yes. What about you? What'd you make? So, uh, we made jambalaya this week. Um, it's a recipe that my boyfriend has made so often, and now it is absolutely one of my favorite things ever. I'm not a seafood eater, so you can substitute like any kind of meat into this um, jambalaya recipe, but we do like chicken and uh, sausage in it. But I know a lot of people, you know, do like shrimp or like any kind of like seafood or whatever. Um, I'm just not a seafood eater. But anyway, the recipe is um, half of an onion, a white onion, um, a clove of garlic or two cloves of garlic, I think, chopped up green bell pepper. Chop all of that up, um, put it in a pan. I usually do like a pot um, and put it all in there so that it's like a like a one pot thing and you don't have to like brown it and transfer it somewhere else. So I'll put it in a pot with some um, olive oil and then let that kind of brown up. Add our sliced or cut up chicken and uh, sausage into that. Let it cook for a couple minutes. Um, don't cook it all the way though because it's going to kind of continue to cook when you add your rice in there. So just let it cook for a couple minutes. When it's almost done, add um, a cup of rice or two cups of rice, depending on how much you're cooking. A can of chicken broth. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, A can of chicken broth. 
let that and so that's actually going to be what cooks your rice and um yeah you let it cook for about 15 20 minutes however long until your rice is done um yeah uh, that's pretty much it. It's really simple, but it's so good. We also put all kinds of different spices in there, of course, like garlic powder, um, onion powder. We put um, some Slappy Mama seasoning in there, which gives it a pretty yes. big... Uh, we love Slappy Mama. Like We use it on like literally in any recipe that, <laughs> that it can go in at all. But it just gives it like a nice little kick, makes it a little spicy. You can definitely opt out if you don't like a spicier jambalaya, but we do. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. It's really simple. One pot and even left the leftovers are freaking amazing. Love it. That sounds incredible. And I'm going to make that because the jambalaya at the Cheesecake Factory is made with linguine pasta and mm. there's like gluten and stuff in the sauce. So I can't eat it, but I can eat rice. Like I'm going to eat that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We just use, um, and we use like white rice, like the long grain rice, nothing like really fancy. I'm sure you can do it with like whatever kind that you want to do it with. But yeah, it's, I mean, like it's super easy. It doesn't take very long to cook. I mean, the thing that takes the longest is like cutting up all your veggies and meat and stuff to put in there. So other than that, it's ready in like, you know, maybe 20 minutes to cook or 30 all together with like prep and everything. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. And we don't have a cocktail recipe for you guys this week because we're filming it like in the morning um, <laughs> and we're trying to be responsible adults and you were like on the clock and working. So we are not doing a cocktail recipe, but if you want an amazing one, go check out our episode that has the interview with Carola Lovering. She gives us an amazing cocktail recipe from her book tour and like her opening parties and stuff like that. So go check out that interview if you haven't listened to it yet. And for any other cocktail recipes, food recipes, you can also check out our website at www.booksbitesbooze.com. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. It's at BooksBitesBooze. We also share some pictures and stuff on there. Um, my Malibu Rising cocktail that I did um, is actually on there and in like a very tropical glass. I don't know. It was just total Malibu Rising to me. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, be sure to check all of that out. And we will be back very soon with... Um, our next book, which is Not a Happy Family by Sherry Lapina. Love it. So fun. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. I've already started reading. This is totally up our alley. We're definitely sticking with like the sibling family dynamic here, mm -hmm. but in a total more sinister way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a murder mystery vibe instead of a chaos party kind of vibe. So I actually read um, The Couple Next Door by her years ago. And I did not even realize when we chose this one for Book of the Month that it was the same author until I looked her up. And um, oh, my God, I loved The Couple Next Door so much. If you haven't read that, Alexis, Put that on your list because it, it, if you like this one, if you end up really liking this one that we're reading, you're going to love that one. Okay. I'm going to read it after we finish Not a Happy Family because I'm not going to ruin it like I did Malibu Rising. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea. But anyway, I'll read the um, short synopsis. So in this family, everyone is keeping secrets, even the dead. 
Brecken Hill in upstate New York is an expensive place to live. You have to be rich to have a house there, and Fred and Sheila Merton certainly are rich. But even all their money can't protect them when a killer comes to call. The Mertons are brutally murdered the night after an Easter dinner with their three adult kids, who, of course, are devastated. Or are they? They each stand to inherit millions. They were never a happy family, thanks to their vindictive father and neglectful mother. But perhaps one of the siblings is more disturbed than anyone knew. Did someone snap after that dreadful evening, or did another person appear later that night with the worst of intentions? That must be what happened. After all, if one of your family were capable of something as gruesome as this, you would know, wouldn't you? So excited! Yeah, so we um, are going to read, yeah, about halfway through the book, a little bit before, around like chapter 20, I think, is what the next episode is going to cover. So we're just going to kind of introduce the characters and what's kind of happening and things like that. So stay tuned for that. Yes, I'm so excited. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being part of our Books, Bites, Booze community. Um, I'm really excited. And thank you to everybody who's been checking out the website and the Instagram. We've been getting a lot of traction on there. So we're really excited for our growth and you guys joining us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening. And yeah, see you all next time. Bye. Bye.